Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's Creator Network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much, and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game-changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and one half of the award-winning gruesome twosome, (laughs) Connie, is going to tell us all about Bill and Dorothy Wacker. I am so pumped about that. Yes, we won Best True Crime Podcast from Indie PopCon. Thanks, Indie PopCon. That was literally made our life. Made our life. Because I hardly ever check the email unless I'm like expecting like business related stuff. And I just happened to see it. And then I, if you're my boss listening, I didn't do shit at work after that because I was (laughs) so excited. I know. I was, I was, uh, I was in, I was on a patient. I kept feeling my phone vibrate and vibrate and vibrate. I was like, what is happening? And Connie was just frantically calling me to tell me. And so I, it was exciting. We were pumped. So thank you. And thank you, whoever voted or however that works. I don't even know, but thank you. I realized today, because uh, I did the same thing to my mom. Like when I go to call people, I'm a FaceTimer, like immediately, like, no matter what, I'm going to FaceTime. Like, hey. I have become that. Maybe it's an old person thing. Is it, are we old? <laughs> no, because... no, it's not. Because all of the, like, I, I they FaceTime too. Oh, yeah. My son. The youth. The youth of this generation. My son FaceTimes his friends, puts the phone, like, down on the desk facing up. And they use it as, like, like when they're playing online because they can't, I don't know, like, they're, like, in a group. There's like five of them on there. I don't know what they do. But they're using it as like their online chat. It's just all of them FaceTiming each other. Was that you trying to FaceTime me then? Was that, was that, what was yeah, I was FaceTiming. <laughs> I was so excited. I FaceTime all, even <laughs> unless I'm in the car, then I'll actually call. But if I'm home, 
It's a FaceTime baby. FT. Speaking of being home. Speaking of being home, where are we at? Your home is supposed to be your place of peace, your sanctuary, unless you have three kids like I do, and then it's just chaos. And we've covered cases, many, too many cases, about people who like break into homes before committing horrible, unspeakable acts. But what happens when it's not an isolated incident? What happens if it's not a murder that's taking place? What does a family do when it is years and years of taunting and torture? And we're not talking about a ghost story here, but I mean, I I guess we could be. And I know I've said this many times. I am not typically the person to cover spooky stories because I'm a huge, big sissy baby. Is this a spooky story? And I will probably have nightmares for a couple more nights because I already have. If you hear about this. But this is how much I love you guys. And it's 2022. And this is our let's get out of comfort zone. It's me doing it. And who knows? Maybe this will be the start of my rise to social media TikTok stardom fame. (laughs) (laughs) Spooky stories with Connie. It'll be like my, well, I'm out of this comfort zone. Let me continue to the social media platform. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I no. will give someone a dollar, like one dollar if that happens. It's not going to. It. You have, it is more likely that you will get me on a live show before you get me doing it. Which I am also into. Yes, excellent. We're working our way there. So Ohio, here's another one for you. The city of Massillon, Ohio, is a small town about eight miles west of Canton, Ohio. Wait, do you have a trigger warning or anything? Mm. Can you not trigger warning because it'll give it away? Yeah, I can't trigger warning this one. Okay. Sorry, guys. It's just spooky. Hang in there. Spooky. Go ahead. <laughs> For our non-sport fan listeners, Canton is famous because it's where the football hall of fame is. I do know that because I am obsessed with Peyton Manning. Um, when a lot of small towns along the Rust Belt in Ohio suffered due to the downfall of the steel industry, Maslin shifted from the steel industry to focus on like manufacturing food, paper products, car parts, etc. So when a lot of small towns just became kind of shells, and if you live in that area, um, and if you're if you've ever driven from the East Coast and you've had to take Ohio like the wide route, you could, it's, you know, the Rust Belt, you know, where the house is and like the towns, they look like ghost towns almost. Um, Maslin adapted and they overcame. So it could still be, you know, kind of the picturesque little town that it is today. Residents consider the area relatively safe place to live, a place to escape the noise and bustle from nearby Cleveland. The city is known for its football programs, high school heroes. It's actually dubbed the City of Champions. Good for them. Yeah. And this small town feel is exactly the reason why William Wacker, Bill, and his wife Dorothy decided to remain in their home after Bill returned from serving in World War II. Bill was born on March 12, 1920. And Dorothy was born on August 21st, 1927. The Wackers had lived in the small Stark County town their entire lives. For 40 years after they got married, 
it might as well have been Mayberry to them. Together, they had two daughters, Peggy and Catherine. Bill and Dorothy were well-liked by their neighbors. They had no enemies. And in the four decades that they lived in their house, they had no issues. That quiet, serene existence came to a screeching halt, though, in 1984. Dorothy and Bill came home after running errands around town to find that their house had been ransacked. Everything was in disarray, but it didn't appear that anything had been taken. The Wackers thought maybe it was a one-off thing because there was nothing taken, so they didn't alert the police. No! I know, that's Bill, Dorothy. It doesn't yep. matter. Someone broke into your house. Yeah. That's what I said. They cleaned up the mess. They went on with their lives. And they tried to forget that it ever happened. But Dorothy and Bill wouldn't be able to put the matter too far behind them because a few months later, the couple came home again to the same scenario. Nothing of value seemed to have been taken. Their house had literally just been ransacked again. It's like you got a couple of raccoons just running through there. Once again, against me. The judgment of those around them, the couple didn't call the police. Oh, my gosh, guys. Hey, if you come home, if you come home and your house is ransacked and all you're missing is like, I don't know, like a bar of chocolate, you should call the police. Make a report just so that they know we need a paper trail here. Um, Also, like there could be. An underwear situation happening, if you remember, several episodes ago. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I thought. On January 16th, 1985, enough was finally enough after their home was ransacked for a third time and left in complete chaos. The couple finally filed the police report. And even though there was an investigation... No suspect was ever identified. No arrests were made. The Wackers reluctantly returned to business as usual, and for six months, they were able to live in peace. But only six months. And like I said, I use this term peace loosely because they were absolutely not living in peace. They were in a living hell. They were constantly on edge. with They were terrified. Yeah. Exactly. If you get broken into once, it totally, like, shatters your sense of safety. Absolutely. Having it happen over and over, no. It is a very um, sickening feeling to have your stuff taken. Like, someone come into your arc was touched. Yeah. Um, it, when my husband was in the Air Force, uh, he took our... He it was Cinco de Mayo and he went to get tacos at like this spot that like wasn't in like the best area. And we are from small town, you know. So he got out of the car, he took the keys out and like threw them under the seat, like many do. I know you're like, Connie, what the hell? It's like not even I get it. But he um our car got his truck got stolen out of the taco loco parking lot best part was I had had margaritas when I got home so I was napping so he had tried to call me and my phone had died so he sat at Taco Loco waiting for one of his friends for like an hour (laughs) but it was a very even because he didn't get the day that the 
uh, insurance company was supposed to give him the payout for like it being a total loss. They recovered his truck. <laughs> no paycheck for you. No paycheck. And it was when, uh, very, like ooh, intrusive feeling. When I was pregnant with my first kid, my coworkers threw me a surprise baby shower. And it was like such a touching moment. But I was like, you know, eight months pregnant. And I had all these gifts in the back of my car and I could not take them inside because I got home like late and my husband wasn't home at the time. So I just went up and I left everything in the like SUV and I went up and I went to bed. And the next morning I came out and my window had been shattered and all of the baby shower gifts had been stolen. And it like you just it makes that that feeling and like the pit of your stomach where you're just like how could someone do this you feel violated like what yeah percent they're feel the wackness feeling started to ease you know as the months went on and there were no incidents but just as they thought life may be getting back to the version prior to these break-ins the intruder escalated dorothy had had heart surgery and she was home recovering in july of 1985 and this is a close-knit neighborhood. So the neighbors had been letting her relax, you know, kind of recover in peace. No one was really bothering them. Dorothy heard a knock on the door. And when she went to answer it, there was a man standing there that she had never seen before. She described the man as a young white male, blonde hair, average build, about 5'9". He told her that his car had broken down down the road and asked her if he could come in and use the phone. Because again, it's 1985, so there's not cell phones. She said she did feel like a little uneasy by this just because of everything that had been happening, but that the man appeared normal, clean cut. So she didn't get any feeling like maybe like that he had a malicious intent and he didn't appear threatening to her. So she let him in. She led him to the room where the phone was, um, where he appeared to call a tow truck. She later said in an interview with Unsolved Mysteries that she wasn't the type to listen in on phone conversations. But it sounded like he was actually talking to the tow truck. And when he hung up and said goodbye, she thought that he had left because she heard him heading out the back of the house. They he weren't in the same back door instead of just going back out the front door. Exactly. They were in the same room. She had went into the kitchen while he was on the phone. What struck her was odd was the fact that he didn't call out goodbye to her. So he had said goodbye like while he was on the phone. He didn't even tell her thank you for letting her use the phone and, you know, like the audacity. So she went to make sure to check to make sure that he had actually left. So I'm sure you can imagine her horror when she realized he was standing right there. She stepped into the living room and she said that as soon as she did, he hit her in the back of the head, knocking her unconscious. Oh, Dorothy. When she finally was able to come to, she had been bound and gagged. She woke up in the kitchen when she was knocked out in the living room. She looked around frantically with no sign of the man. Her kitchen window was open, so she was able to scoot herself close enough to call out to neighbors. And luckily for her, there were a few that were outside. And I think that takes a lot of guts because I would never feel comfortable enough after being attacked to my own house, not knowing where the hell this guy is or if he had even left to openly call out for help. Yeah. I would probably... I would just lie there until I was able to either untie myself or my husband or someone else came in. Neighbors were able to call police, and it wasn't long before they arrived with an ambulance. 
her husband pulled up to the scene of cops and ambul- the ambulance and just a chaotic mess. And he's like, what the hell has been going on? Dorothy luckily wasn't seriously injured, and she was able to give that detailed description of her attacker. Unlike previous times when the house was ransacked, this time there were items that were stolen. An antique 22 caliber revolver was taken, an antique watch, a movie camera, and a radio scanner. But the jewelry was left, cash was left, other big-ticket valuables were all left untouched. Just all of these antique, mm-hmm. like almost like collector's items. Uh-huh. Did this person know exactly what they were looking for? Could it have been someone close to them? Another piece, very eerie piece to the puzzle, was the creepy message that was written in crayon on the wall that read, cheaper, but will do. Ah, what? What does that mean? I know. And it's all odd considering the fact that there were actual valuables that were left in the house. And no one had any idea what the message on the wall meant. Police were able to put together a composite sketch from the description that Dorothy provided, and it was distributed throughout the area. Police started combing local pawn shops to see if any of these items turned up, but their searches were unsuccessful. And the torment didn't stop there. It was almost as if a new chapter of terror began for the couple. They started getting calls at all hours of the night. Sometimes it would be someone just sitting there, breathing in and out, very heavy. Sometimes the caller would threaten them with violence, threatening to bash Dorothy's head in again, or even worse, promising death for both of them. They changed their number numerous times, but the caller always found a way to call them. Again, the attacks escalated. The whackers started hearing loud banging on their doors, exterior of their home, pounding on their windows. I would move. I don't even know if that would help, though. Bill even installed security lights on the front porch in the hopes that, like, the motion lights would deter the person who was responsible for the unwavering torment of him and his wife. But instead of deterring their stalker, it only escalated them. Bill walked out of his house one morning and there was a note that read, your lights are a laugh. And that's lights with a Z. L-I-G-H-T-Z. And this was just the start of threatening letters that were left on their porch. Police believe that the person was using their non-dominant hand to conceal their identity because the letters were kind of jagged and it wasn't like that was their actual handwriting. Mm-hmm. All of the letters were dusted for, for prints and tested for any telling chemicals, patterns, but none were ever found. Four months after Dorothy was assaulted in her home, Bill came home to find not a letter, but the twenty-two caliber revolver that had been stolen sitting on their porch. The gun was placed in a shopping bag and just left there. What? Mm-hmm. This is like true psychological terror. Uh-huh. The investigators on the case couldn't believe it because there had never been and has never been since an instance where a gun had been stolen and then returned. It had been wiped clean and just like the letters, provided no fingerprints or clues to the identity of the person responsible for for the theft and the horror. 
And if it wasn't creepy enough that the revolver showed up back on their doorstep, over the next several months, the other items that were stolen during Dorothy's attack showed up on their doorstep. One by one, in a grocery bag, dropped off at random times. The antique watch, the movie camera, and the radio scanner. You would think that they would put just like a like surveillance on this house. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I guess it's... Go ahead. I'm sorry. And keep... Probably... But wait, there's more. <laughs> All of these items had been wiped clean and no evidence was able to be recovered as to who stole the items. And guys, I think to understand this torment, you have to realize that this is going to take place over years. The phone calls, the notes, the beating on the doors and the windows. I can't even imagine not being able to relax in your own home ever. Every creak and sound would set me into a constant state of panic. No, I honestly think that after I got attacked in the house, I would have moved. I would have been like, well, you know what? I'm done. That's my next point. And I, like I said, I, I, I even wrote, I know you are wondering the same question that I wondered. Why didn't they move? And I think that the bigger picture is that it may not have just been a possibility at the time. They have lived in this house for almost 50 years. And the first 40, it was right. paradise. And this isn't like a huge mansion. It's just a quaint, small house, Cape Cod style. Anyone from the Midwest, especially in small towns, knows exactly this type of neighborhood, the street style, house style that I'm referring to. I'm assuming that their house was probably paid off and maybe it just wasn't financially possible. And Bill and Dorothy stood by there. We don't want to be ran out of our house by some kook. And that is a direct quote from Dorothy. I just, <laughs> I cannot imagine having to walk on eggshells in my house. And honestly, if this were to start happening, happening to me right now, I don't think we would be able to just pack up and move. It's not realistic. Like, not for so little class. Especially because, like, they're not taking any. I mean, they did assault you, which is scary. Yeah, it's very but... scary. And now there's so many more resources that they would be able to get, you know, like ring doorbells, yeah. security exactly. systems. It wouldn't exactly. be able to keep happening. You cannot walk into my yard without, like, an alert going off on my husband's phone. It's like, hey, someone stepped on your grass. Hey, watch for your step. It. Actually, we just put in another camera because uh, our 12-year-old has a girlfriend, and they it's very harmless. They, like, play soccer all the time outside. But they, we make them stay where there are cameras just, you know, because she's not our daughter and it's not, you know, we, we're not getting involved in that. And that was part of the understanding we had with her parents is like, we would keep an eye on things. And uh, they realized the side of our house didn't have any cameras. So I would walk out there. They would be nowhere to be found. And they, they figured it out. They figured They're it out. 12 or whatever. <laughs> So then uh, we put another camera outside and I was like, hey, look, this is for both of you. Like, this is for both of you. You're 12. We're not doing this. I was like, because as soon as your parents don't trust you here, you won't be able to come over anymore. But yeah, I digress. <laughs> Cameras. There would be more stuff. There like, would be more stuff. The fact that you can just hop online, order a camera and install it and it goes directly to your phone in like mm -hmm. 30 minutes is amazing. Like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't possible. In 1980s, in the 1980s. No. So the days turned to years. And years, I mean years, 
how many? Like it was a decade. 10 years of 10 years, 10 years of torment. Malarkey. And some of the letters were just taunting. They would be like the, your lights are a laugh. And then some were really awful. Like you scum, I'll get even. So eight years, you heard that right. Eight years after the initial attack on Dorothy on October 27th, 1993, Dorothy walked outside and their stalker struck again. This time, Dorothy was hit with such force that she had a concussion and skull lacerations. Ugh. She had to be taken to the hospital in an ambulance. But again, and I don't know how it kept happening, this person was able to escape with no sound. No one was able to describe any different cars in the area. And police were so desperate at this point that they went door to door asking neighbors. None of them had experienced any of the things that Dorothy and Bill were experiencing. And what Bill thought was even crazy is they would run outside immediately after they heard the banging because he would come out gun loaded, ready to rock, you know, Midwest stuff. And I picture him in like plaid pants or like plaid shorts, like a white wife beater, like gun. Maybe he has slippers on. Like the guy in Billy Madison is like, (laughs) that's exactly it. That's the exact vibe I get. But no matter how fast they got out there, they never heard anyone once they stepped outside. There were no cars starting, no one running, nothing. It was silent, which gives me the scary vibes. Like maybe they were being haunted or something crazy. And we're going to talk about theories at the end because there are a few. The lead detective in the case ran out of ideas of who it could be. If it wasn't a stranger doing this, like maybe it was time to start looking. Maybe it was someone close to Dorothy. So he approached her and bluntly said, I'm going to ask you a question, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way. But could your husband have done this? And she responded with, no way. He wouldn't do something like that. And the investigator told her, like, they hate, you know, they hate to say it, but, like, they have to explore all the possibilities. It's been eight years, Dorothy. Eight years, Dorothy. Let's open up the the brain possibility a little bit. And I watched the Unsolved Mysteries segment on this, which honestly, I think that made it even more spooky because I had Robert Stack's voice saying it and it makes it 10 times more creepy. Yeah. Top five greatest voices of all time. Oh, I love so that good. voice. <laughs> love that voice. But Bill is, a, is interviewed like right alongside Dorothy during the whole thing. And he said, why... Should I do something like that? Like after 48 48 years, why would I start now? And I was like, yeah, no kidding. And this case was so frustrating to investigators because they weren't able to identify a motive. Like other than just the pure torment and the physically harming of Dorothy, like what was the reason? They were confused because of the lack of evidence, the sporadic nature of the event. I said, why are they never going after Bill? It's not like they're, you know, exactly chickens or anything. Yeah. And taunting would start, it would go on for a few months and then would stop for months and then it would start up again. There was no pattern to it. Like, no, like, okay, it's, it's summer. They're more active now. Like it was happening like year round. Wednesday night, this is going on. Yeah. Like, oh, but it's chess club. That's what someone has to be in chess club. It was nothing. They had nothing they could tie this to. And it was a mess. They were no closer to finding out who was stalking Bill and Dorothy eight years later than they were the very first day the two had called to report that their home had been ransacked. For the third time. The third time. Bill and Dorothy decided that 
They were going to take matters into their own hands and plan a stakeout so that they could catch the person who was doing this in the act. So in November of 1993, they carried out their plan. This is only a month after Dorothy had been attacked. Bill was in a trailer and parked in the driveway. Their son-in-laws were in a van across the street. Their daughter, Kathy, sat inside with Dorothy. For four hours, the family waited. Anticipation, like thinking like, okay, this, this may be the time we can actually put like all this bullshit behind us and like figure out who's been doing this. The family members all had walkie-talkies, which is very on brand. Hell yeah, stakeout. Just to keep in touch. And just as they were ready to call it a night, the familiar beating sound on the front porch was heard by Dorothy and Kathy. The ra- they radioed the guys immediately, and it was go time. Because this is the first time, like, when other, other people had seen the notes. Other people had heard the phone calls. But this is the first time someone heard the, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And remember, their two sons, son-in-laws, were sitting in the van right across the street. The intruder was essentially able to find a blind spot in this stakeout. As quick as they were heard, they were gone. A note was taped to a rock that said, get the message. But no, no one gets the message. And none of them saw a freaking thing. The person vanished. It was almost like it was out of thin air. What the fudge? So... In they had their episode of Unsolved Mysteries aired in May of 1994, and the offer was put for security cameras to be like, hey, we'll pay for you guys to have security cameras. Let's figure out who's doing this. And then there was some activity, some phone calls, and then just as suddenly as it started, it stopped. The 10-year torment and physical assault stopped. Unfortunately, Bill passed away five years later on July 9th, 1999, and he went to the grave not knowing who was behind his deca torment. He believed, as he stated on Unsolved Mysteries, that the person who was messing with them was just doing it for kicks. Like, he thought that they were just doing it to just screw with their minds. Like some psycho neighbor or something? Mm -hmm. And he said that if the person wasn't tormenting and stalking them, then he was stalking someone else and doing the same thing. Dorothy also passed away. She died on July 22nd, 2010, and she also went to the grave, not knowing who tormented them. And to this day, there have been no pivotal suspects, no leads. The stalking case is cold, and it's likely to remain unsolved. You know what it makes me think? That they were living in their attic. I thought this same thing. But I want to talk about theories. But before we talk about theories, I, Megan, I want to talk to you about some new art projects that are available for you on Let's Make Art. I am someone who loves being creative. I love it. I love it. I just suck at it. I suck at the planning. I suck at my ADHD kicks in. I never make it to the store. I am very much instant gratification type of person. Which that's what makes Let's Make Art perfect. It's a revolutionary crafting company that aims to help everyone channel their inner artist. Me, you, whether you're five or maybe you're a hundred, it's amazing. Like it's great. I have been. Um, I'm actually waiting right now. They have a cactus watercolor painting that I'm going to be working on when I get back from vacation, and um, 
They have hydrangea pictures. It's well, that sounds really cute. I can't wait to see those. I'm the opposite. I love having things on hand all the time, which is why their kids' art subscription box is so cool. It's a monthly box that provides, you know, an art experience for your kiddo. Step-by-step instructions. It has video tutorials. Um, You can watch them, and it's for kids 5 to 11, which is just my age group. It's so easy. And your kids can learn art and lettering from professional kids' art instructors. It's not like me trying to teach my kids how to do it because they just end up with, like, stick figures and a mess. Don't do that. This is awesome. Try it. And, you know, let's make art simple together. Check out Let's Make Art today by going to letsmakeart.com and use code GRUESOMEART to save 20% off your first order. You could also click the link in the show notes. It's, I'm telling you, do it. And then show us what you guys are making. Yeah, tag us in it if you get one for your kids or if you get one just for you secretly, we won't tell. Yeah, we won't tell because I'm doing it. It's relaxing. I like it. I've been doing a lot of hand lettering because that's something I've always wanted to know how to do. Like calligraphy? Calligraphy. I have like six books and I can never teach myself, but I've been watching the videos on Let's Make Art and it's perfect. Okay, so theories 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 look you know that i have like i didn't look in my attic for six years and the time that i've lived in my house because i was convinced that i was going to open it up and find like someone's like blanket and makeshift shanty in my attic and when i finally looked there was nothing there but i truly believe it to be happening in other people's homes and people there are looking are... under your attic oh stop <laughs> <laughs> There are like some very likely theories, in my opinion. There are a huge number of people who believe this was an elaborate hoax. There was never an attacker. Yeah, there was never an attacker. Their reasoning was mainly that Dorothy was, it was only Dorothy that was ever attacked. And she was always alone when it happened. From And like the biggest argument is for her being knocked out hard enough to be carried and bound and stuff in another room. But she had no serious injuries or lacerations that were sustained, which, and honestly, like when I thought that, I thought, like, okay, like, yeah, that makes sense. And I can't even say that it wasn't a hoax. Like, it was a little bit weird that it stopped when there was a suggestion of like security cameras. But to me, it seems like it's likely someone close to them, like even maybe one of their son in laws. That's what I was thinking, too. I was like, maybe it was, like, their son-in-law, like, uh-huh. made one of them mad, or even, like, one of their daughters. Yeah, it just if... seems too personal for a stranger to, that didn't oh, know 100%. them. Oh, 100%. I would be shocked if that was happening, and it wasn't someone that they knew in, like, whether it was a neighbor, whether it was a family member. hmm And I don't think it was... scorned. Well, if, then I was thinking, like, Maybe it was Bill, but why? He's right. Like, why would he never, never make a fuss with his wife and then all of a sudden start, like, t- torturing her and then, like, physically abusing her? Like, I thought it was someone that they knew because she was harmed, but not enough to kill her. Yeah, that just enough sense. to, like, like it wasn't, scare her. Yeah, and it's scary. And then I thought maybe it was a ghost. Like, what if it was? Like, <laughs> Like a poltergeist. Yeah. Maybe it was. Like the but I just the you. idea of just mm-hmm. sitting at my house and hearing. 
Was it like a loud banging? It was like someone like boof, boof, boof. And it would start like there. sometimes it would be on their windows. And you know how Cape Cod sit. That's not like, it's not like they're like on the ground level. Like the windows are usually up higher. So it's like yeah. they would beat on that. They would beat on the porch. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when you say, I'm probably going to have to look up a picture of a Cape Cod home just to like, so I can imagine what you're, th- I think I know what you're saying, but um, I haven't. Hold on. If it's the porch style that I'm thinking. Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. So there's not really like a big one that you have to climb over. I think I'm thinking like a craftsman with like a big porch that's like built up. No. So there's no. nowhere to really go. It's just right around. Yeah. Oh, hmm. it's just yeah, weird. Spooky. Like it's, it's, and you know, you, I, I think because Dorothy was attacked to the point, like she actually had to go to the hospital. I don't think it was a hoax for attention. You know, I kind of do get Bill vibes, honestly. Really? Like, I know we're like, it's, <laughs> I'm, I mean, if you're with someone for a very long time, you're kidding it was like i'm done with this or maybe he was bored or i don't know that's like a terrible excuse i mean i know but during the interviews it seemed like he didn't seem like someone who would do that but honestly like i have no idea i don't know these people and they never seem like that's what they're capable of (laughs) i know but what would be the reason like pure torture of your wife like she lived in fear and maybe he but, like, who really, honestly, like, who doesn't call the police the first time you come home and your stuff's ransacked? But they were together. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. They were together when they came home. Maybe, like, yes. Bill hired a guy down at the Legion. What if Bill had a <laughs> girlfriend? And the See? Girlfriend lover scorned. Lover scorned. And then she got her new boyfriend to go there and that was the one the guy in the kitchen what and maybe the couple made an enemy that they didn't even know they had okay one more ad to tell you how much we love zencaster if you're listening to this and you're thinking that you could start a podcast you should zencaster makes starting a podcast so easy with their high quality recording in both audio and video zencaster is the perfect platform to start your podcast journey We've said it before, there is only one you and your voice is important. Use it to start a podcast today. We'd love to help you. Head over to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter code gruesome for 30% off your first three months. And then tell us what you're creating. Um, been there. <laughs> there was, I don't know if you remember, uh, I think it was in San Diego, uh, Kathy Rowe, she was, she got outbid on a house. Like she had walked into this house and she was like, this is it. This is my house. And a couple, a married couple, uh, Janice Reuter and Jerry Rice, they outbid her. And they had like a young kid, baby on the way. And she started stalking them. Like she was so pissed that they outbid her on this house. She started doing things like ordering like thousand they had like a bill come to them for like a thousand dollars worth of like adult diapers and magazine subscriptions like that they had never ordered um their house got relisted for sale online so people were like showing up for showings for their house um there was an online ad for like a new year's eve party that a bunch of people showed up for she sent valentine's day cards to all of the women in the neighborhood from the husband 
Ew. Like other wives. Petty. And then they, like what, they like kind of catapulted it into crazy is there were advertisements for sex for the couple. Like we're inviting you into our bedroom. So people would show up ready to have sex with them. Ew. What? Yeah. yeah. I can't and imagine, she- like I disappointed, sure. I can't imagine being so angry that someone outbid me on what was probably houses. Yeah, it was probably like very public thing. Like it could have happened to anyone. It's not personal. Like these people like saved their entire marriage for this house. And then there's another big one. Um, the Circleville letter writer. I'm not gonna go into too many details about that one because that one will be covered at some point. And it was um there's a bus driver, Mary Gillespie who she started getting letters accusing her of having an affair with the superintendent. But like I said, it's that one is crazy, crazy, crazy. So we'll talk about that at some point. But, and then there was the, there was a the little boy that lived in the walls. Yeah, he I've told- heard of several cases where there was like somebody who was living in like secret spaces and like started- behind the pantry. There was that one guy who lived behind their pantry. Mm-hmm. I started researching the little boy in the wall and I got too freaked out. And I was like, another day, another day. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not today, friend. There was a yeah. couple of houses that we looked at. Um, one of them I fell in, like before we bought this one, that I fell in love with. Uh, I remember I like sent you a bunch of pictures of it. Was it, it was the like old, the, like the Victorian kind the of one? old Victorian house. Yeah. And we walked in there and one, like it needed a lot, like it needed more work than like what mm-hmm. we were capable of doing. So, like, we passed on it, but it had, like, uh, the basement was, like, damp and spooky. And I had envisioned before, because we had been, we had gotten offered to, the the lady who owned the house had reached out to me on Facebook because I had kind of posted in a group because when we bought our house, it was in the middle of the pandemic and it was very difficult to buy a house at the time. To find one. I mean, it's still hard, but you're yeah. right. When you were buying, there was, like, not even houses for sale. No. They were going before they were listed. And um, so she had reached out telling me like she was going to like they were going to be selling their house. So we drove by it like a numer like a number of times. And I love that old charm. I fell in love with it before I even I planned my house, planned living there before I even saw the inside of it. And I pictured myself in this basement recording and I was like, I'm going to have my office down there. It's going to be perfect. And then I walked down there and I was like, this place is fucking haunted and I cannot. (laughs) Psych changed my mind on everything. I have people not, that would be a good selling point. They would be like, this place is haunted. Awesome. Let's go. Not this girl. Not this girl. I even Googled before we bought this house because it's like barely new if it had been built on anything crazy. Or if anyone had died in there. Had anyone died in this house? <laughs> nope. It's my house I, is I, big and old and creaky, and I, you know, it's haunted. I, yeah, it's well, it's definitely haunted, but you can no, hear like the oh, it's haunted. It's like a matter of fact. Like I'm telling yeah. you, Megan's house. I am is telling you, it is haunted, 100. percent You can tell me you don't believe in ghosts. I do not give a shit. The things that I have seen in this house lead me to believe otherwise. Um, but like you can hear like little squirrels up in the walls or wherever sometimes, and I'm like ah, and I like, bang on the wall to get him out of there. It's just old. It's that old house charm. It's not always charming. But it also makes you think that there's something living in the attic. I just can't <laughs> imagine, like, 
being tormented like that. And I know this isn't the normal type of case that we cover, but it was spooky to me. And I was like, man, it's wild. I just can't think you move into your house. You live there peacefully for X Four decades. Four decades. And then for 10 full years, you're just on edge waiting for someone to attack you at any given Mm -hmm. moment. Allegedly. But you got yeah, me Robert Stack, so was it worth it? Maybe. You <laughs> <laughs> Well, they mentioned and I will post a picture on the post like our Instagram post with a still from their Unsolved Mysteries episode. And Dorothy's looking a little sus. She has a little smirk on her face. Like I went back through it a few times and I was like, Dorothy, come on, girl. What are you what doing? What are you up? What did you do? But then, like, I kept researching and I kept reading about it. And I was looking at the different newspaper articles where it's like she had, like, her head bashed open. And I was like, maybe she didn't. Because, like, how do you do that to yourself? Maybe she fell? My thought is um, they they had to have had an idea of who it was. If it wasn't the two of them, they had to have had a family member that maybe they thought it could be. I don't know. It's weird. For sure. Maybe they thought by going on Unsolved Mysteries, it would get it to stop. It would get enough attention, but... I mean, it kind of did. It kind of it worked. It did. It did. I, oof, uh, I don't... I would instantly be like, this place is haunted, and now I have to burn it down for the insurance money. That's what I'm saying. If my house, if my house ever burns down, and it's under suspicious circumstances, it was haunted. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> it was haunted. <laughs> it was the ghosts that did it. They were the ones that also burned it down. You know, St. Karen, her husband, they used to live in there. They live in Louisiana and um, they lived in this like family. When her husband got out of the Marines, they moved into a house that was owned by the family and had like been in the family for years. Haunted AF. Before I even, before uh, St. Karen and her husband were even married, I knew her husband. And um, he told me the story about how they knew it was haunted. The ghost would like mess with them, but it was pretty chill as long as you didn't taunt it. But he yeah. is a teenage boy. So he decided to taunt this ghost. And one day he woke up in the middle of the night to this flaming blue figure in his room. And I kind of like panicked and tuned out after that. But then we go visit like fa- flash forward like six years. We go visit them because when they got when they moved home from the Marines, that's the house they lived in. And we're Gary leave. And he was like, yeah, that's the room. Like you guys stayed in that room. That's the room that I stayed in as a kid. And I was like, well, now how dare you? How? <laughs> but Karen had told him like, do not tell her. That's good. I'm glad that he did it. Cause then you would have gotten no sleep. Um, similar with the blue light in this one, like right when I moved in, who knows? I go blue. It's very strange, but been in my husband's family for a long time, like decades and decades, and we moved in, and the the general consensus was we moved in, we were like, hey, ghosts, we live here now, but you can stay in this room. Like, this is your room. We won't mess with it. You can stay here. But, like, one night I, I woke up, and there was just, like, a blue light glowing in the like what is now the living room was going across the house and I could see it from my bed and I was like that was weird and I like closed my eyes I was like it's probably headlights 
And I opened them. They were still there. And I'm like, that's weird. Maybe it's a car stopped. I closed my eyes and I opened them and it was still there. And I ended up just like keeping them closed after that. Because I was like, I'm done. I'm done checking. Just pretend it's not there and it'll go away. Yeah, I am not a hear the noise and go find it. No, I'm going to roll over and be like, this is how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> nice knowing you. <laughs> I don't never see that, that, though. Although, like, if I hear a noise coming from where, uh, like, the way our house is set up, like, where the kids' rooms are, it's instant. Like, I'm like, all right, now I got to kill somebody. Usually it's just my dog, like, being a moron. But if I hear, like, a outside, it's like, that's where it's staying. <laughs> like, me and you ghosts, we got no beef. <laughs> Everything's cool, friend. Yeah, it wasn't like a person or like a noise. It was just glowing. And that's why I will sleep. I don't care if right. It was weird. It could be five million degrees. I could be in the pits of hell. And when it comes to sleep, I'm sleeping with a blanket on, fully covered. I nothing's grabbing my toes. No way. I kept dream like when I first started reading about this. I kept dreaming that people were leaving notes on my door, and it freaked me out i was like (gasps) i woke up and my husband was like this is like two nights ago i woke up drenched in sweat like to the point i thought probably because you're still possessed by that ghost from louisiana damn it (laughs) damn it everything in louisiana is haunted every i yeah, that would explain all of the unsolved murders there, honestly. And just the it's murders ghost. in general. Yeah. It's just the ghost. It's just that ghost. whole state is a ghost. It's, I love it. I love the food. I love the environment. The people are sh- chef's kiss. But there is a lot of haunting down there because there's a lot of old stuff and a lot of bad stuff that went on. And I, <laughs> that's why we live up here instead. That's why we live in Ohio where things like this go on. where you just get tormented for 10 years from people ransacking your house and banging on your doors i just thought it was weird that no one would see them that's why i was like maybe it was them maybe it was bill but like how are you beating on the outside of the house if both of you are sitting in the living room you know a weird thing happened to me once and at the time i should have been more freaked out by it but i wasn't um and now i am i so i have like a little like back it's like a mud porch we call it the mud porch it's pretty small you just like walk onto it and you can like i put food out there essentially and that's it and one night you walk in the door to get into the mud porch and there's another door into my house and when i heard someone on that mud porch and it's like 10 30 at night my kids asleep uh my husband's upstairs and i was like hello just to say something and the noise just stops and they're like, hey. And I, I like just walk slowly over to the door and lock it as they're talking because I was up. I hadn't like gone to bed and like locked all the doors and did my knife. Did you grab up. a butcher knife? No, I just like locked the door slowly. And I was like, what are you doing on my porch? And they were like, do you have any jumper cables you can give us? And I was like, no get out of here and then i locked the rest of them and i just went to i just went upstairs but like that's how every horror film starts 
And that back door at the time, it's not anymore, but that back door was broken. So in order to get onto it, you had to like reach in through like a broken section of the screen, unlock it from the inside and open it and get in that way. So it wasn't like you just open the door and walk in. It was like a very- They were about to rob you and then they found out you were home. Yeah, for sure. Something like that was about to happen. That's why I have a plan of attack in every single room. I can look around at any point and there is a weapon that I can kill someone with. Well, it had freaked me out for a long time. And and I was, because this house behind me always had random cars there. I was like, what is up with this house? And recently I found out it's because it's on Airbnb. <laughs> it was an Airbnb directly behind me. <laughs> they use it for like travel nurses. Oh, that awesome. makes sense. In the listing, travel nurses and then like, I was just thinking, why? Then like, like festival weekend. So Yeah, that makes sense. It all makes sense now. Yeah, you should have a butcher knife right by the door just to stab someone in the neck. You got to get my, my back door screwdriver ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, have a, I have a car screwdriver. I know. I know. That's what I'm referencing. Your car screwdriver of old. Which Everyone talks about it until you have to use it. And then it's like, hey, thank God that you have this car screwdriver to save your entire family. Just shove into that guy's eyeball. It's okay that he was just about to ask you if you know about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you stabbed <laughs> him in the neck. Shouldn't have walked up behind me. I was scared. Not a smart choice, my man. Um, it just happened. Megan, I wanted to uh, tell all of our LGBTQ plus listeners. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We love you all so much. I went to Pride. It was delightful. I had a very nice time. I did get bullied. I was like one time. One bullied, which, you know, given the entire experience you had, I guess you could say I was just bullied once. It was just once. And, you know, I love a good roast also. So, like, I appreciate a friendly back and forth roast. I like to give a good roast, but I cannot accept a good roast. (laughs) That is not what happened. I was just walking down the road and this person made a comment about one of my tattoos and I, like, tried to laugh it off. Ha ha. But then they just said a mean thing. And then they said another mean thing. And then they just kept saying, like, to really drive the point home. And I was like, Oh, you're actually being a dick right now. Okay. Um, and I just like turned around and felt very like, what do I do? And then when I turned back around, they were gone. Uh, but everyone around me confirmed that they were very mean to me. And that was supposed to be a safe space for everyone. I told her, I said, it didn't matter if your tattoos were drawn with Sharpies. Like, as long as they're not offensive, like, keep your mouth shut. Who the hell comments on anything? I don't, you know, I had a... Because if that's the case, I have an infinity tattoo on my side that says, the best is yet to come. That undefinitely deserves a roast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Shut up. It was my first one. No, no, no. It's if you had been in my life at that time, that wouldn't have happened. This is a direct no, result. You would have you had something way weirder, like a baby kraken breaking a toy boat in half. Like <laughs> I wouldn't have even cared. Like anything. I remember when we talked about tattoos, like when we were like 16, I was like, I want a Pac-Man tattoo. One side Pac-Man on my, because you had the star. One side cherries. I remember that. No, it's my thing. And then, of course, I don't have anything. Thank yeah, God. thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Instead, I have an infinity tattoo with the best is yet to come 
for infinite. My husband's you like, also what? wanted um pinup girls on your back with like their legs up your side. I remember that one as well. Mm-hmm. And I was I'm like, also glad that I don't have that tattoo now. Get it, do it. I, I don't know. I put too much thought into tattoos, which is why I don't have very many. All of them except for one, which. And I put no thought into them, which is why I have so many. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's go. I'm trying to look like a cool old lady one day. Let's make it's this happen. That, at that point in my life, when I got my infinity tattoo, I was like, well, shit's just got to get better from here because there was not a good time. You know, it's now my life pretty good. And I'm like, what else am I waiting for? <laughs> what else could happen? A cover up. Uh, it has to. I want to get uh, a Harry Potter. Like, I may get Hogwarts there, like a whole thing, because it's dark enough, like gloomy. That'd be awesome. Maybe I'll get a Death Eater, because that's where I, you know, that's my vibe. Yeah. I don't know. I, something. I have to get something. Every time my husband sees it, he laughs at it. Look, it's okay to not like your tattoos. Like, you evolve as a person and you change and. What you liked in one decade might not be what you necessarily like in another decade. No, That's the best fine. part is like when I got pregnant, it was like a freaking huge. And... <laughs> well, people used to tell me that about like the the stars I got when I was really young, too young. Um, that they're like, well, when you have a baby one day, those are going to stretch out huge. And they really didn't. They pretty much no, just stayed where they were. Because, like, mine is literally, like, bra strap line. So it did get a little. Mm. It's fine. It looks fine now. But it's, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> look fine. It looks fucking stupid. But it's there. It's appropriate. <laughs> I thought about doing, like, laser tattoo removal. But I was, like, the way my bank account is set up. Hey, I know a guy. I just got, <laughs> I do. I just got to keep uh, just hoping for the best. Because, you know, the best is yet to come. The best tattoo. Yeah, we're talking about bad tattoos. Get out of here. You should know all about it. (laughs) My husband's got some stupid tattoos, too. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcast on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. 
So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 